Translating God, a youthscape podcast dedicated to exploring how young people understand and respond to the Christian story. So often in my work with young people, I find that I'm responding quite quickly in the moments. I'm thinking about my session tonight, my session on Sunday. Have I got enough volunteers? And very rarely do I get the chance kind of to pull back with the team and think about some of the bigger trends, some of the bigger images, what's really going on for these young people. So in this first conversation, we're going to give ourselves a chance as a youth ministry community to pull back a little bit and recognise that we know what we know with the young people we work with, but to allow ourselves to ask some bigger questions. What are some of those trends? What are some of those things that we can say with some confidence that are sort of distinctives about this unique group of young people that might have changed over the last 10 years? So I'm joined by Dr. Lucy Moore, who's going to be helping us today unpack some of these key trends and just sort of get us going with some key headlines today. And in this first chat, we're going to be pulling out some of the really interesting, slightly rogue, maybe left of centre comments, just to kind of begin to set the scene of how are things changing? And it's probably worth, Lucy, making the point, isn't it? We're not saying this is like absolutely what every young person is thinking now. What we're looking at is what has changed changed over 10 years and I just want to start by asking you who came up with that idea like where did that come from like Mm. marking the change as opposed to capturing what's happening now I think that idea came from looking across the pond initially actually so um, you may have some of you may have heard of a book called iGen and that's by a sociologist yeah that, that came out a few years ago but in the states, they have these absolutely amazing data sets, which if you're a if you're a geek, you will already know and love. They 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 just capture um, t- this time series data. So they will ask the same kind of young people the same questions for twenty years in a row. So Incredible! You, can, you yeah. can just see. Oh my goodness! Look. So in the states, this is an example. The number of young people getting driving licenses is dropping and dropping and dropping. So we were sitting here in England going. We are always looking over there and using their data, mm-hmm. but what if it's not the same? Uh-huh, yeah. What if it's different here? We've got to do this work ourselves. And so you, you will know because you'll see you know, in the newspaper or it's covered on the radio, podcast will suddenly go, a new survey of a thousand young people has found that they're feeling despairing about life. And mm. you'll go, ah, that's awful and that's helpful and I'll write it down. But what we don't know is, are they always despairing? Are 15-year-olds generally despairing or is that something that's getting worse? And so that's what we wanted to try and evidence as a little uh, hint. I'll just let you know that that driving license thing is not the same in the UK. Seriously? Yeah. So the big narrative in the States is uh, that this is about safety, that young people are getting like more nervous about growing up. They don't want to go and do some of these more adult things like move out or kind of date or driving license in the UK that's not the same you're just as likely as a 17 year old to go and get your license now as you were before I had a terrifying conversation with a young person recently he was living with us a 17 year old who is from Austria and in Austria you can get a moped license do you want to hear at what age no 14 oh my goodness and I suddenly thought of all the 14 year olds in my youth group and I thank God that I was living in England but it's interesting it does matter doesn't it that actually we are looking at stats and we're asking ourselves what direction is this trend going in because that I think you're absolutely right like that is the more interesting question is this a picture of mental health decline that's being steady and actually with emerging generations that's the way it's going or is this a a standalone piece it's just a bit interesting so let's unpack a few of these 
trend report data. So go on then, what have you got for us today? Okay, so I thought I would tell you about young people being out at night because we've seen a real reduction in the number of young people who would Mm -hmm. be out after 9pm. So back in 2009... One in five young people would be out after 9pm. And this was within the period of a month. So the question was, in the last month, have you been out after 9pm? One in five said, yeah. Fast forward to 2021, and that's dropped to one in 16. So they're much more likely to be home. They're probably more likely to be socialising online rather than in person. And whereas they might have gone, who knows, with would have been in the park, they might have been hanging out at a mate's house. It's kind of late at night after 9pm, but some of them would have been out. That group of young people hanging out later at night is just dwindling and dwindling. Why 9pm? What, what was, hmm. think about that. I don't know. I mean, it's it's watershed. Maybe it feels like it... <laughs> Maybe it feels like it's the line yeah. between a reasonable time for teenagers yeah. to be, and then like, oh, after 9pm, it's getting late. So I wonder if it is talking about that group of young people who... This is more their free time, They've finished it? their yeah. clubs, you know, they've come back from scouts or whatever they do, or swimming, if they're that kind of young person, or, or they've gone to hang out at a mate's house and the parents... I don't know. Yeah, they haven't picked them up them at out. nine. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, what's what's the latest you would have hung out at a mate's house? Oh m- gosh, I was young so long ago, and it was in. <laughs> I can't remember. I was climbing trees probably at ten pm. But I, think, I suppose what the interesting question is: if um, I'd love to know if young people are, are saying that they are going to bed and going to sleep yeah. later. Because if actually they're not going out, but actually we we know anecdotally maybe that young people we work with are still doom, doom scrolling at two am. Yeah. That's quite a long amount of time, isn't it? That they're I. That is fascinating. Like, so this sort of bit of data, like, what what does that mean? Mm. Why why are they? Is it that parents are more concerned about their safety? Is it the young people are more concerned about their safety out and about? What what? How do you read that? That's a really good question, and this is one where I would love to know what know, others think because yeah. this data is limited. It doesn't tell us why. It just shows us the change. So there, that you've just named some really strong possibilities. We do know that um, parents are generally more fearful and and that, that they think that the world is a is a more mm. dangerous place than they used to. And so I think that could well be, there could well be a safety concern. Young people might feel that too. They might prefer the certain kinds of control over the way they socialise. When they are on their phones, they might actually be overstimulated by the amount of stuff yeah, going on school at school day, they might yeah. prefer to be by themselves i i don't really mm. know but i think it does raise questions for youth work uh it, around when and how we engage with young people um, so if you want to run an event potentially you're definitely going to have to stick it earlier yeah stick it <laughs> earlier and be sparing with asking young people to come out in person i don't is that one of the implications interesting and um, so is anyone doing detached youth work? Because there are people yeah. listening to this, and I know myself where we are, where actually if there are young people out after 9pm and that's not, I hate this word, but that's not the norm, mm. who are those young people and, yeah. and why are they out after 9? Because that, there's an increased vulnerability there. Yeah, I mm. think it might suggest that if fewer of them are out after 9pm, there probably will be fewer youth services yeah. catering for them. And Safe so we, spaces, we yeah. might actually find a little niche of need here where those who are out after 9pm 
might well be a bit more vulnerable and there yeah. might be fewer adult eyes in those public spaces yeah. watching out for them. So if you are a detached youth worker, get in touch and tell yes. us. Yeah, what, what have you, have you seen? seen? Yeah. Have you seen this change? Has it changed your practice? What does it mean for those of us who are thinking about the young people out at 10pm hanging around on the estate? Good questions. Love it. So that's the first headline. We've got a couple more. What's the next one? Okay, the second is around an increase in youth loneliness. So Which might be tied in with this, might not it? It actually? might be. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. It might be. So you may remember a few years ago, uh, some research was done. It got a bit of press coverage that showed that of all the different age groups that were surveyed around who felt lonely, it was young people who said they felt the loneliest. And this caused quite a ripple because mm. I think we were all going, surely it's those who are like yeah, 75 or 80 and yeah. living alone or maybe mm. have lost a partner. They're the ones we traditionally think of as needing befriending services or loneliness interventions. We don't think of teenagers being like that. But what, we, what we've got is we've got data that is on our trend report website that just shows how this has been increasing over time. So we can see a steady increase and it's not at the extreme end. So it's not in those who are saying, I always feel lonely or I never feel lonely. It's this group in the middle. It's been a it's been a shift from those who go, I rarely feel lonely to those who go, I sometimes feel lonely. So there's this kind of large group of young people who are they're probably never going to turn up and say to anyone, my my problem is loneliness. I need some help with loneliness. But there's this kind of low level shift and increase in those who are more likely to sometimes find themselves feeling lonely. Now, we might go, is that a big enough shift that we need to do anything about that? Um, it's not extreme, but it's a steady growth. And I think that raises questions about um, how we talk about loneliness with young yeah. people. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to ask you actually about definitions. Like mm. even the word lonely sounds like a sad word, doesn't yeah. it? And I'd love, I would love to know when the young person uses that, what, what it's referring yeah. to for them. Lucy, how does this, when you see something like this, does your mind automatically go to another data trend where you're like, actually there's increased bullying in all yeah. kinds of forms. So is actually the connection between young people are feeling more bullied because there's more ways for them to be excluded and mm. almost loneliness is the product of exclusion as opposed to something that is or arbitrary or just part of the adolescent experience. Like, Do you make those connections? Is that a helpful thing to do? I think it is because... If you, if you look at the, those 50 charts, you'll see increases in certain kinds of bullying. We'll see increase in young people spending time online and less in person. And we can make inferences from that and go, well, we know the structure of the way they relate is changing because it is so much more mediated by all of these social media apps. Um, and so that's surely got to have an impact. But I think that the thing I would take from this is we know this thing is increasing, but it's a subjective experience. So the most powerful thing I think you could do as a youth worker is say, do you feel lonely ever? And if have a, open up a conversation about it and like, what is it that creates that feeling and what is that like for you? Because it's when we understand young people's subjective experience and what they say that we know how to respond. Because I think one of the things we do at Youthscape here with loneliness is is normalise it. So um, rather than kind of pathologise it and make yes. it a, a thing that you yes. now have to yeah. add to your roster of issues as a young person, a lot of the time we have to go, yeah, um, feelings of um, feeling a bit alienated or different or maybe not being understood. That's the human experience. And actually you are in good can, company. Yeah, and you can develop <laughs> and skills. you will be able yeah. to develop skills to cope yeah. with that. Um, but also if, if there are certain things going on in the way you're relating that are driving that, 
Let, let's be aware let's of that, about as that well. too. I was just thinking, do you know what? Some of the um, the best youth workers in our setting in Blackburn are sort of elderly people over the age of 75, 80. And one of the reasons they come and get involved in our regular youth drop-ins is because they're lonely. Mm. And then I just I had never thought before, actually, that's a brilliant conversation that says because I'm feeling this loneliness one of the things that I do is I, I come and rock up here and get involved there's a beautiful intergenerational connection isn't there so we've had two really interesting ones this last one is this connected as well so yeah. fewer young people in steady romantic relationships yes so we are seeing a decline in the number of sort of 15 year olds who would have had a steady boyfriend or girlfriend I by the, the age word of 15. Steady. It I just know. feels like so from a bygone era, doesn't it? Going steady, steady, going steady. I know. I love it. Um, but just being in a relationship. Uh, An exclusive. Some, yes, like exactly. Committed, yeah. And actually, mm. even the fact that you would ask that question, you know, yeah. let's just define that exclusive relationship just reveals the mm -hmm. way that relationships and the structure of them and expectations of them has really, really shifted. And so this is, again, this is interesting and it's tied to another bit of data that is in these charts, which shows that young people are delaying the age at which they first have sex. So those two things are probably related um, that, that young people are and it's probably related also to the n not seeing people in person as much. So yeah. they are less likely to be hanging out in a boyfriend's room yes, yeah. <laughs> in, of an evening than yeah. they would have been, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, but this, this raises interesting, I think, questions about what kinds of conversations we have with young people and what it is they need from adults when they are trying to navigate understanding themselves, their sexuality, Absolutely. their identity and and what it means to have a partner or have yeah. a relationship because there's so much else going on now. There's so much more in the mix that they are given to think about material. They have to think about their gender identity, their sexual identity. The more we open up those questions, the more they have to wrestle with and they need context Absolutely. to do that. And, and again, the increase in young people reporting sexual harassment. So yeah. you're absolutely right. This feels like a potentially quite um, alienating or a distressing space. And as you were saying that, I was suddenly thinking in the two years that I've been in Blackburn, I cannot think of a single young person that's dating, whatever phrase they might want to use, steady relation. There's no romantic relationships. I'm ju I've just clocked that. Now, when they get to 18, 19, we're seeing that. But the, the kind of the 13s to 17s, I can't think. And we're talking about 65 teenagers. I can't think of a single relationship in that space. And that's really interesting because 20 years ago, I feel that all my conversations with young people were around these little triads and quadruplets yeah. and this sense of who likes who and who doesn't like who. And it's almost like even naming that you like somebody. Yeah. I can't think the last time I had a chat with a young person about that. So I'm an ancient youth worker that wanders around often saying, do you know it's really good if you fancy somebody? Like, that's really great. And, and because actually I just feel this, this, these groups just don't, just don't want to talk about any of it. So you're absolutely right. Like, how do we... What does that data, what do we do with that? If we instinctively feel, actually, yeah, I'm seeing that too. Like the question for us is where do we go in? What's our entry point into this conversation? Is it sexual harassment? Is it gender identity? Is it consent? Is it actually just adolescence? I don't, I, it raises lots of questions for us, it doesn't it? Raises it raises loads of what questions. What feels safe yeah, for them? And I, as, you, as you're talking, I'm, re I'm rem reminded of the number of young women in particular that are, are sent... 
Un- oh, there we un- go. Unasked for images yeah. of male yeah. peers' genitals. We know what they're called. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, they're sent these pictures. And so you won't be in a relationship with someone, but you will have seen a number yes. of <laughs> penises yeah. by and the time big, yeah. you are 15, potentially. And that that says something profound about what, spe- what in what space is adolescence a preparation for adult relationships? Because this is sort of meant to be an apprenticeship time. You try things out, you get things wrong, you, you learn a little bit what it means to build trust with someone, how to fight with someone, how to make up with someone, how to be in a relationship with someone with your other peers and how to deal with jealousy. All these things that become a training ground for hopefully uh, an adult relationship that could go the distance. Mm. But if you get to 18 and 19 and it's not because it's not because you're a Christian and you've decided to wait. No. It's because you are in this bizarre kind of pool of like, well, I've seen a lot of stuff I don't want to see. And there's been lots of like there's been lots of sexual interaction and commentary, but it's not been in a kind of stable relationship. What does that mean for what skills you've got or what you need as an 18 year old where suddenly you've it's not available to you no. and you're meant to know what you're doing? And what does that mean for the kinds of relationships then that are formed? Because as you as you were speaking, I was thinking, where does that go? That that really lends itself to then intense relationships where it's just you two against the whole world because you, it, it feels like a, a miracle that you found somebody in this world where there's all these mm. options. So that's really interesting. Does it lead, is it more likely to lead to relationships that are deeply unhelpful and sort of codependent because you haven't, as you say, learned those negotiating skills. Big questions. Please get involved with the conversation because this stuff matters, doesn't it? It matters that we are wrestling with this. And my suggestion would be take some of this to the young people that you work with. I mean, some of the older young people, I'm going to go back and say to them, that's really interesting. You know, what do we think about this? Like, Mm. what kind of conversations could we have here? So use this as a little bit of a platform to have your own conversation with young people. Lucy, that is so interesting. I'm coming back next week for more. (laughs) And just very quickly, next week, we're going to be looking at a few more of these and just digging into what what might this be saying to us about young people's needs and what they are bringing to us, the challenges. So we're going to be a bit deeper on some of these conversations. So tune in, friends, next week. 